This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This is Greg Olson, inviting you to check out my new Blue Wire podcast, TE1, where I interview tight ends throughout the history of the NFL who have helped revolutionize the position. TE1 is presented by the Chevy Silverado, The Silverado is all about grit. It's strong and dependable, exactly like playing tight end. Just like the incredible players we sit down with on the podcast, the Chevy Silverado is in a league of its own. Strong, advanced, and dependable. Download TE1 today, wherever you listen to podcasts. You're now listening to the Destination Debbie Podcast. I present your host, Ray Garvin, the creator of Destination Devi, and your go-to source for all things Devi and college football. Week one, NFL. Majority of it in the books. Still have two games tomorrow night on Monday. I'm recording this Sunday night right after the Cowboys-Rams game. Literally just finished up. So we still have the Titans and the Broncos. And then we also have the Pittsburgh Steelers and the New York Giants. So some of the rookies that I will not be covering in the weekly rookie report that will drop hopefully every Monday. We'll see how it goes. I might want to include the Monday night game. But we've got two Monday night games tomorrow. But I don't know. We'll see how that goes. But week one, NFL, baby. It is... uh. We had it. it. It came. It went. It it looked fine. I'll tell you one annoying thing. The crowd noise sometimes makes me like jump back because I think I missed a good play or a fumble or a penalty or something like that. But overall, I think it went really well. And for these rookies that we've been so excited about for months since the NFL draft and for some of us since the college football season, some of them went out there and did exactly what we thought they would do here this NFL season and some other sort Sort of fell flat. So we're going to get into the, the rookie weekly report, the weekly rookie report. I think that's what I'll call it, the weekly rookie report. And uh, I'm not going to spend a ton of time diving into the box score stats, but I am going to give my opinion on some of these players, hopefully dive into some buys, some sells, only focused on rookies. These are the foundational pieces of your dynasty team. These are players that we're trying to acquire or trying to move based off of value week in and week out. So excited about this new segment. Excited to jump into it. But you know, it's Destination Debbie, man. We got to hear a word from our man, Gus Johnson. Drop the intro. All right. So let's start off with our rookie of the week. And It's no surprise. He was on the cover of the thumbnail on the YouTube show, had the stage to himself Thursday night, playing on one of the best offenses in the NFL. It's Clyde Edwards-Elaire. And what he did versus the Houston Texans 
was Clyde Edwards Elair esque. That's what we knew he could do when he was coming out of LSU. The dead leg one cut ability. We know that he's not an elite burner. He doesn't have, you know, four, 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 three speed. But when he makes people miss in the open field, he's got more than enough juice to get that ball to the end zone. And we saw that on one of his touchdown runs. We saw him run with physicality, run with patience. And, you know, there he was stuffed at the goal line. I believe it was five or six times. He was receiving those goal line carries. I had a ton of questions on Twitter. Was I concerned about him not being able to punch it in? No. I mean, he was getting the work down there and he will learn when you get down there, you just got to lower your head and get it in there. Now, a couple of those plays, JJ Watt just went absolutely super saying down there, selling out to stop the run. But I think all of that, it's good signs to come for CEH moving forward. And the fact that he was able to do so much damage on the ground with little to no work in the receiving game is even more encouraging once they get him involved in the passing game. He had one or two targets, no receptions. I mean, this is only going to get better and better for this Kansas City offense. Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, McCall Hardman, Sammy Watkins woke up. Uh, it's it's just going to be fabulous. And I had him ranked as my rookie number one player for fantasy le- for seasonal leagues this year and for very good reason. Clyde Edwards Elair is a stud. And I jokingly said on Twitter there will be leagues leagues where you won't be able to trade Christian McCaffrey for Clyde Edwards Elair one for one. And that in fact has been the case. I've seen some dynasty trades be offered Christian McCaffrey for Clyde Edwards Elair and it was rejected. And then we saw CMC go out there and do what he does uh, versus the Oakland Raiders, the Las Vegas Raiders today. So that would be silly. You always take Christian McGaffrey, but Cloud Edwards Lair is the week one rookie of the week. Now, some rookie risers from week one. You have to start with James Robinson, the Jacksonville Jaguars running back, 16 carries, 62 yards. He dominated the backfield touches. He is going to be the guy moving forward. We'll see how things play out when Reichwell Armstead and Devon Zigbo come back off of IR. But for the foreseeable for for the foreseeable future, it's going to be the James Robinson show. And he actually looked really well, showed good athleticism. We know that he was a prolific rusher uh, in college and having the opportunity. And, you know, this Jacksonville Jaguars offense, they looked all right, man. They did not look bad. They pulled out the win. Minshew looked vastly improved from last year. Not that he looked bad last year, but he looked really good. LaVisca Chenault showed well out there at receiver. DJ Chark got involved in the action. Keelan Cole was involved in the action. But James Robinson... If you have him, you might be thinking about selling, right? If you can get some good return for James Robinson in Dynasty, I don't think that would be a bad move. But holding on to him, I think that would be a good move as well. He is going to receive the bulk of the work out of the backfield. He showed well. They got him one catch out of the backfield for 28 yards, showed some explosiveness, some elusiveness. I like James Robinson moving forward. I bet on Divine Zigbo. I did not bet on him being placed on IR, but I do think moving forward, he is a rookie riser. James Robinson, a running back that we should be talking about, trying to acquire. And if you have him, if you've got a good price for him, if somebody's really willing to pay for him, then you move him in Dynasty. But definitely a rookie riser after week one, as well as the Las Vegas Raiders wide receiver Henry Ruggs. I was very impressed with his week one showing. He only had three catches for 55 yards, but it was apparent that they want to get him involved in the offense. And he dealt with a couple of injuries during the game, was in and out a little bit, but he fought through that. 
three for 55. He had a deep play, 45-yard uh, uh, catch and a little bit of a run there. I think the sky is the limit for Henry Ruggs. If they're going to get him involved in the offense the way that they tried to get him involved in week one with his development, with the target volume, Darren Waller is going to be a guy, Henry Ruggs is going to be a guy, and Josh Jacobs is going to be a guy that we are going to want from that Raiders offense, especially as the pass-catching weapons. I think Henry Ruggs showed well in his NFL debut, and I can't hate, can't knock on Henry Ruggs. I thought it was a really impressive job for for Ruggs, even though the end of the end of the game stat line didn't show as much, but I definitely think the sky and the arrow was pointed up for Henry Ruggs. Now, I did not talk about this player first because I mean, he was my number two ranked rookie for seasonal leagues for a reason. Jonathan Taylor, the one of the most prolific rushers in college football history. And what happens? Marlon Mack starts off and he looks pretty damn good. And then he tears his Achilles tendon. I mean, listen, nobody wants to take a victory lap off of an injury. That's just it's not how I operate. I think it's kind of Bush League to do that. But that injury definitely opens the door for Jonathan Taylor to become the primary ball carrier in the Indianapolis Colts backfield. Now, I know Naheem Hines got a ton of the work today, and I expect him to still be involved in the offense. And I do expect the the stat line to be a little bit reversed for JT and Naheem Hines with Jonathan Taylor commanding more of a workload rushing the ball and Himes being Hines being more involved in the passing game but JT had six receptions for over 60 yards for a player who couldn't catch the ball that was the narrative surrounding Jonathan Taylor he looked good showed some explosiveness so you know we talked about maybe 2021 him being the guy running the ball it's going to happen in 2020 and it's going to happen as early as week two so for those of us who have Jonathan Taylor on our rosters he's a plug and play guy moving forward you know I, I think right off the bat you pencil in as a top 15 seasonal play for running back but uh, he's got tremendous upside and I talked about if you were able to get JT and hold him until end of the season he could be a league winner the opportunity is here in week two unfortunately it comes at the expense of Marlon Mack prayers. I hope he gets better. Hope he finds a new team. Hope he can get back to form. But it's JT. It's Naheem Hines moving forward. And don't rule out them bringing in another back as that third option. So Jonathan Taylor, it's hard to say that he's a riser, but with Marlon Mack out of the picture, I think he has to move up even higher in our seasonal ranks. JT, rookie riser week one. Let's talk about another running back, and I'm talking about J.K. Dobbins, the running back from Baltimore. Talked about him a couple of shows ago, and you know the the big question was how they were going to utilize this backfield, and so many people were talking about J.K. Dobbins was listed as the fourth running back on the depth chart behind Justice Hill, Gus Edwards. I told you don't believe that shit, right? Who cares what the depth chart says? J.K. Dobbins did show very well, two touchdowns, and I know touchdowns is kind of, it's not a sticky metric, right? But he was second or third, second in running back carries, third overall because Lamar Jackson did have seven, but Mark Ingram, 10 carries, J.K. Dobbins, seven carries, did receive goal line work, looked good in that work. And I, I'm, I'm just telling you, as this offense continues to grow, I believe that we see more and more J.K. Dobbins in that backfield. So if you can still acquire him since he didn't really have a blow up stat line, 22 rushing yards isn't anything to write home about. But if you are able to purchase him uh, because he did not have a blow up week one, then 
do it, do it, do it. The sky's the limit for J.K. Dobbins. This Ravens offense, we talk about Kansas City's offense being unstoppable and we talk about all the weapons. Uh, Lamar Jackson may be the ultimate weapon in the NFL, period. In fantasy, in the NFL, his development as a thrower, just his command of this offense, he just looks so comfortable. He's so good. Hollywood Brown has definitely taken that step forward, taken a step forward. We saw him over 100 receiving yards today. Mark Andrews is just ridiculous at tight end, <laughs> easily top three tight end. And if, if he's a top, he's a top tier tight end. In this offense, it's it's just going to be wheels up for the running attack. Gus Edwards, third in line and carries with four. J.K. Dobbins, it is only going to get better and better and better for here for Dobbins. So he is a week one riser. And the final player that I want to talk about just finished up playing, and it's Dallas Cowboys wide receiver C.D. Lamb. Now, while he was second on the team by a wide margin in targets and receptions to Amari Cooper, Amari Cooper is the alpha. He should be. He's one of the best wide receivers in the NFL. CeeDee Lamb's stock has just gone up tremendously in my book. And again, it's not an injury victory lap. It's at the expense of tight end Blake Jarwin, who I was very excited about as a sleeper tight end pick this year. But Jarwin tears his ACL is the fear. CeeDee Lamb is going to see even more volume. Five receptions in this game for 59 yards. No touchdowns for Lamb. We did see him on the punt return, but he looked good in his debut no Blake Jarwin. He's going to operate in that three wide receiver set in that slot role. I believe as the season goes on, he develops more chemistry with Dak Prescott and he turns into maybe a deeper, deeper play. If you need a wide receiver for a deep flex play, CeeDee Lamb, as time goes on, he is going to be somebody I believe that we can rely on this season in 2020. The injury to Blake Jarwin definitely helps him out in that category. And for all the concerns about in, in the jokes that I made about him being the fastest, not that fast guy in college football last year, he did not look like he didn't belong on that field tonight. He looked really good, excited about his development and growth, had him ranked, I believe, as the rookie 11 uh, for the 2020 season. So he gets a little bit of a stock bump as well. A couple of other players that I want to talk about that aren't really risers and they are not really fallers. Cam Akers, you know, he received a ton of volume tonight and he didn't look as good as Malcolm Brown. He did not look, Malcolm Brown just looked like the better running back tonight. Now it's one game. It's his first game in the NFL, but I was very encouraged to see Cam Akers get double digit carries. The Rams offense looked really good. So if he's going to continue to command that type of workload and he did operate almost in a split one, a one B role with Malcolm Brown as the number two, number two running back, Daryl Henderson clearly behind as the number three guy. Maybe he's still working his way back from injury. But, you know, putrid yards per carry, we know that's not like a good stat whatsoever, but definitely some things that Cam Akers needs to clean up on. Not going to have him as a faller because he did receive the volume. Not going to have him as a riser because he really didn't do anything to stand out. But Cam Akers is somebody that I wanted to talk about as well. This Philadelphia Eagles wide receiver Jalen Rager. I mean, when he caught that big bomb for 55 yards, I was like, wheels up, here we go. And then non-existent for the rest of the game, along with the rest of the Philadelphia Eagles offense. I don't know if it was because they didn't have Miles Sanders, if the offensive line was banged up, but Carson Wentz did not look good in that second half. Rager didn't do anything else. 
not a riser, not a faller, just hoping that the Philadelphia Eagles find a way to get their explosive wide receiver the ball. He did show a ton in that big catch. It was a hell of a catch. Way to get the downfield. I told you guys, do not buy the Deshaun Jackson hype injured in and out. It's two tight ends. It's Jalen Rager. Greg Ward is okay. Jalen Rager, another good player. And then I'd be remiss if I didn't talk about quarterback Joe Burrow, who did have a nice touchdown run, threw the ball well, got A.J. Green involved, had an interception. Listen, I know the Chargers do not have Derwin James, one of the best defensive players in the NFL, but they still have a fierce pass rush, and it was his first NFL game. He looked okay. He looked like a rookie quarterback in his first game. He made some plays that were very good, and then he also made some plays that he looked clearly like a rookie. But Joe Burrow, again, neither stock up nor stock down. I think things will get better for him as we move forward, so not really concerned with it, but I just wanted to touch on Joe Burrow for a little bit right here. Now to the bad, the rookie faller. Some players that just, ugh, situation, play, didn't really cut it for me week one. And I've got to talk about my man, DeAndre Swift. DeAndre Swift clearly operated as a secondary runner to Adrian Peterson and worked behind Carrion Johnson at times. I'm not going to talk about the drop touchdown pass. I mean, that's very unlike D Swift. He has very uh, sure hands, but he did drop that pass to, to pretty much win that game. But it was the fact that he was clearly second and third in line to Adrian Peterson and to carry on Johnson. So it looks like this backfield is going to be the AP show unless something happens to Peterson or carry on Johnson. I don't think DeAndre Swift after week one is going to see enough volume to warrant any kind of start. You know, if you start Swift, you're hoping for a big blow up game. You're hoping for a touchdown. He did get in the end zone this game, but that's just not what I feel comfortable with in fantasy is relying on these players to just score me a touchdown. If that's all you have, then that's what you got to roll out there. But I do think he has to be a faller. You know, if you're asking me right now who I have more confidence in starting, James Robinson or DeAndre Swift, it is James Robinson and it is not even close. And I believe I had in the last episode, DeAndre Swift as my number five ranked rookie coming in for seasonal purposes. Right now, it wouldn't even be close. It'd be James Robinson. So DeAndre Swift, he's got to get bumped down. He is a faller for me in Dynasty. He is still very much in play. Is one of the top young running backs in Dynasty. I would be trying to buy him if people are fearful of the situation. And maybe you should too, because AP is a little long in the tooth. You don't know what can happen with that situation. And on Johnson has not been the model of health. So in seasonal leagues, if you can buy low on a DeAndre Swift, it may be a savvy move. Now, another rookie faller will stay at the running back position, and it's Buffalo Bills running back Zach Moss. I know he got in the end zone, nine carries, 11 yards, and the biggest problem is Josh Allen, and I joked about it, but it wasn't really a joke. Josh Allen is the primary ball carrier for the Buffalo Bills. He's going to be their goal line back. He's going to get chunk rushing yards when passing plays break down. They're going to design runs for Josh Allen. It, the, the Bills backfield is good for NFL purposes. A massive headache for fantasy owners, and that's what it's going to be. That's what it's going to continue to be. So Zach Moss, while he got in the end zone, he didn't look all that good in the running game. And Josh Allen is the RB1 for that team. So while enthusiastic that he got in the zone, yeah, I'm not I'm not buying it. I'm not buying it. I would not feel confident whatsoever starting Zach Moss in 
any situation, you're praying for a touchdown. And if you don't get that, you're probably not getting anything else. Zach Moss, a rookie faller. The last faller that I want to talk about is a player that I believe in 2021 will be probably the primary pass catching weapon or option for the Las Vegas Raiders. But this season, it's not going to happen. I don't believe it's going to happen outside of an injury. But Brian Edwards, you know, one reception today and I get it. It's just the first game. But this is why we do this weekly, right? We'll adjust as the weeks go on. But it's Darren Waller. Josh Jacobs looked fantastic and they actually threw him the ball and Henry Ruggs, the concerted effort to get him the ball. Uh, it just doesn't leave. There's not enough volume in that offense to support a elite tight end in Waller, an elite running back in Josh Jacobs, the first round pick of Henry Ruggs, and then Hunter Renfro really didn't even get in the action. I believe he had two targets or two receptions. So I, I just don't see the consistent volume that will be in play for Brian Edwards moving forward. I did buy him in Dynasty. I bought him and Antonio Gibson. Didn't talk about Gibson. He's another one of those. He's not a riser. He's not a follower. Peyton Barber getting 17 carries and two TDs really blows. Uh, Gibson, nine carries. I believe he had 36 yards, 40 yards rushing. He looked okay. But, you know, the bigger problem is, is elsewhere with the Washington football team. But when you're talking about Brian Edwards, there's not going to be enough volume to go around to support those Raiders wide receivers. And therefore, he has got to be a, a rookie faller. I know the enthusiasm and hype around him starting is it's warranted to a degree, but but for fantasy purposes, I do not believe Brian Edwards is going to be consistent at all in 2020. Therefore, got to drop him on down, rookie faller. Now, before we get out of here, I want to talk about two buys and. One of these guys could have easily been the number one player for my rookie risers, and that's Los Angeles Chargers running back Joshua Kelly. 12 carries, 60 yards, and coach in a touchdown, and coach Anthony Lynn said they would not have won that game had it not been for Joshua Kelly. He's a talented running back. I talked about it during the pre-draft process. He was good at UCLA. He performed well at the Senior Bowl, and he is that new Melvin Gordon type player for the Chargers. Austin Eckler did a really good job today uh, running the ball. What was more concerning is the Chargers really didn't throw the ball to any of the running backs. Don't know if that was a game script thing or what, but that's more of a concern. But I do not view Austin Eckler as that type of bell cow running back. I don't believe they want to use him that way. And the fact that Joshua Kelly received 12 carries last year, he is my biggest buy go out and send offers for Joshua Kelly before it's too late. He has surpassed. I've told you guys for months, I did not believe, don't believe the hype of Justin Jackson. I watched him run last year and I was like, this dude is not like, he's not that good. He's just not. Joshua Kelly was a much better running back than, than Justin Jackson. And he proved it versus the Cincinnati Bengals. Go get Joshua Kelly. That's all I'm going to say. He is my biggest week one buy in Dynasty and in Seasonal Leagues. Now, the last player is the sneakiest of sneakiest buy, probably still out there on a lot of waiver wires. And if he is, I'm not telling you to go spend a lot of fab on this player, but just maybe just sneak and pick him up $1 bid, $0 bid. J.J. Taylor, the five foot five, five foot six running back in the New England Patriots, got five touches in week one. I know that's not a lot, but 
He looked explosive, he was on the field, and he wasn't that far behind Sony Michelle, Rex Burkhead, and James White. Now, Cam Newton is going to be much like we talk about Josh Allen being the primary ball carrier for the Bills. Cam Newton is going to be the primary ball carrier for the Patriots. But if J.J. Taylor can continue to progress, okay, he continue to work through the season. Sony Michelle, we know he's not a model of health. We know James White's not truly a running, running back. And Rex Burkhead, maybe. What about Damian Harris? Hand injury? I don't know. But sneaky, sneaky buy. He's on your waiver wire. Do not go spend a ton of fab on him. But J.J. Taylor, just check. And if you got some roster space available, just add him on there quietly and let him chill for a week or two. He could could have something a little bit later down the line. Week one rookie report in the books. It was fun. NFL is back. I know I didn't touch on a couple of players. I'm thinking Jerry Judy is probably the only one that can pop. Maybe Albert O from Denver, Tennessee, Darrington Evans. Eh, probably not. It's the King Henry show. And then when you're talking about the Giants and the Steelers, I guess the rookies that I'm maybe missing out on, Chase Claypool, Anthony McFarlane. We'll see how that plays out. And if I need to discuss it a little bit later this week, you know where to find me. Make sure you subscribe to the channel, subscribe to the podcast, hit the thumbs up button, like the content. And if you want more access to me, patreon.com forward slash all gas. So I'm really pumped about this new partnership between Destination Debbie and Monkey Knife Fight. If you have not tried Monkey Knife Fight, I'm telling you, It is addicting. It is fun. It is a different way to do daily fantasy. They have awesome games, more or less rapid fire. I was almost, almost in the green tonight with the more or less with Jared Goff passing yards versus Dak Prescott. Just missed it by a couple of yards from Jared Goff. But if you sign up and use the promo code Debbie, D-E-V-Y, you get free money. Monkey Knife Fight matches you up to 50 bucks. So if you deposit 50, they give you 50. You got a hundred Monkey Knife Fight dollars to play cool games with. NBA, NFL, MLB, all kinds of stuff. It is addicting. It is fun. Make sure you smash that promo code Debbie in there at checkout. Get you some free money. Who doesn't like free money, man? Get on there. Get it. Monkey Knife Fight Destination Debbie is going down. Appreciate you guys checking out the content. I'll be back later this week with some gas to talk about college football and Spencer Rattler, baby. It's going down. Check y'all later on this week. I'm out. Peace. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day no matter how you watch this season. No matter if you're watching those Las Vegas Raiders get a dub, or if you're checking out those Dallas Cowboys, Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers. These passionate fans are the real generational talent that Pepsi fuels, because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football watching.